So now we're going to have a chat with Andrew Fleming, who uh, is set from Coldstream Hills. Morning to you, Andrew. Uh, good morning, Simon. Mate, um, apologies for that. <laughs> for you coming on to that about halfway through and when she really started ramping up. Well, I wish I could be as active as that on a, on a Sunday morning. I'm, I'm quite the contrary, unfortunately. Are you? Um, well, you're working pretty hard this time of year, I suppose. Uh, well, we've, we're over the hump now, which is which is good. This this year's been probably different from. Um, oh, look, forget about last year because it was, I guess, cool season, small yields, um, and so the level. I guess we're busy, but nothing like uh, we normally are. This this year, it's been, uh, you know, very friendly in the sense that um, grapes have ripened gently. Um, you know, we've had a few busy peaks during the vintage, but uh, this is one where I think that it's given us a chance to actually think about what we want to do and uh, try and get the best out of things. Because often it's it's just a race against time. You know, when you have those really compressed vintages, mm. um, it's just uh, you know, you know, you know the dam wall's about to break, and you just have to try and do as much as you can in as short a space of time as possible. Yeah, right. Um, you've got uh, a bit of experience with the with the vineyards, so you'd sort of you'd have a bit of a sense of what's going to come on when and when, and and you know uh, how how the vines perform, I guess, by now. Oh, absolutely. You know, oh. um, it's a bit scary to think that uh, you know this is twenty years at, at Coldstream Hills. Um, this year, so well time really does does fly by, and I always think that if you have about five years in a place, you get an idea of not only the vineyards but just the I guess the order of um, ripening patterns and so forth. And and you know, like like anything, the important thing is to make sure you um, <clears throat> go out and see what's going on well and truly before the harvest period begins, because I don't think anybody really likes. Uh, bad surprises. I mean, good surprises are, are tremendous, mm. but um, you want to make sure that you know the fruit looks sound, the flavours are developing the way you want to, and and really, as as uh, most winemakers operate, it's not about it's not a, a numbers game. You're, you're actually looking at uh, and analysing flavours, and um, you know trying to get the best out of uh, what's out there. And, and that analysing, there's obviously there's some uh, some equipment you can use for you know sugar levels and things like that. But is the best bit of equipment actually your mouth and and literally tasting the berries? I think so. I mean, I I, I like to use both. Obviously, it's good just having that backup to know that what you think you can see mm. um, is you know in, in some years, for example, I'll, I'll just preface that by saying that uh, some years you think, oh, this fruit's right. Because uh, I remember a number of years ago, in a warmer vintage, looking at some sparkling um, base, or so it was Chardonnay for sparkling, and there were a few of us there, and we thought, "Oh, this is ready to go," and uh, it was only about eight bone. So oh. we would have made it a, a, quite a, a thin uh, wine for for a base. But that's just the way it is sometimes. So it's it's good just to have that, mm. I guess, that security blanket in the in the background. But but really, I. I suppose what I look at, and I'm sure a lot of other winemakers look at, is you you visually look at what you see in front of you. You know, does the vine look balanced? Does the fruit look even, and so forth? And then when you're tasting the fruit, just making sure you've got 
that balance of flavour and acidity and, and freshness and vibrancy because, um, you know, you put all those bits and pieces together and that forms a picture in your mind as to what you want to do in the winery. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you make uh, quite a few single vineyard, um, or, you know, single block wines, don't you? Um, yes. So obviously that's that's monitoring it, keeping everything separate. It's um, And, you know, then those wines really will show that the vineyard... Um, differentials won't it oh definitely well you know, i suppose as an example last uh last weekend we managed to get our um pinot noir from deer farm so up towards gladysdale and the upper yarra and when you think of you know this week has been quite a, a wet week with you know melbourne putting on what it normally does you know up and down weather and, and so we were very fortunate to get all that fruit in um, just before the rain began. And within mm-hmm. that, there are different blocks, there are different um, treatments within those blocks. We've got different sized fermenters at the winery. So it just gives us the opportunity, and, and this is how we, we try and plan for these things, um, so that when we look at single vineyard wines, it's not just you know what went into one fermenter. It, it represents a selection of a number of fermenters and then... Um, as we're doing today at the winery, a, a number of those parcels have fermented out and are being um, drained and pressed off the barrel. And then, you know, w- within those parcels, there are a selection of, of mini tanks, if you like, with barrels. Mm. And, uh, you know, eight, nine months down the track is when we'll be looking at what really stacks up. I mean, sure, we'll be looking uh, many times before then, but it really gives us an idea and an opportunity to to get the best out of a vineyard. Yeah. So that and um, so that's you do that in collaboration with with the wider team, I guess. Um, you're the chief winemaker, though. Um, yeah. So you sort of lead the lead the direction, I guess. Um, but everyone probably knows their their roles, and and everyone kind of works in with each other and. You know, it's the sanity check and the cross-checking, you know, that, that you need. Yeah, we're very fortunate. I, I suppose um, people that come to Coldstream Hills um, tend to stay around for quite a while. My my um, co-winemaker, Greg Jarrett, is, you know, we've, we've both notched up 20 years together. And then with our, our seller team, same sort of deal where they, they've been there for quite some time, very experienced, they have their own interests and so forth, and then... Uh, when you've got a team like that, you just know that in the the busier villages you can cope as well as the uh, you know that's the important time. But in times like now, everybody has a contribution to um, you know what they think and, and mm. what we'd like to see. Mm. Um, I, I signed up to your uh, one of your wine clubs, the, the Amphitheatre Club, and it's it's fantastic. You just you know it's pretty easy. It's you know you get six boxes. I think a couple of times a year. It's just you know, we. It's I wish of... it was six bottles. <laughs> Sorry, six, six bottles. bottles. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe you've got a special. No, no, six, six bottles. Um, but you know, it comes with with the story from you and and why you've put that pack together, and it's never the same. Um, which I, I really like that. Um, I noticed the uh, it's actually um, unopened right now, and uh, so I haven't seen what this selection is. But that um, do you have a lot of people in that in those sort of clubs and those those programs? Yeah, I think um, clubs have become um, very important uh, these days. I mean, obviously, from one side, it's it's convenience that if you trust 
a brand and you, you like what they're doing, then you know it's a nice little surprise that comes through once or twice a year. I mean, with with uh, you know everything online, it, it it does open things to your your fingertips pretty easily. And and also with that, I, I think um, you really have that opportunity to find out a whole lot more about you know a, a particular wine that you like or, or mm. anything for that matter, and it becomes a much more personable uh, or personal um, relationship that you can have. I mean, we're very proud of the things that we make and, and obviously it gives us pleasure if people that enjoy our wines, um, you know, keep coming back and and uh, and looking at what the next vintage is all about or you know, occasionally where you see emails that come through of people uh, who have really enjoyed an experience and they've emailed back to say thanks. It's, it's great to... To touch base with them and just say, look, you know, um, we're really glad you in, enjoyed, uh, you know, the fruits of our labours and um, look around the corner because there's more interesting things there. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I did. I, I'd um, encourage anyone to to sign up to something like you know, there's different levels, so you choose the one that's going to suit you. Uh, but yeah, I, I, the part I really do like is that it's not exactly the same wine each time and and that you really get to understand you know deer farm and and the wine that comes from there and um you know and then there's usually a bottle of sparkling in there and and sort of thing so yeah now it's uh, looking forward to to uh to having a look at them um now how what so you said you and greg are both 20 year veterans now uh are you going to mark that somehow this this year well we probably should actually um mm. i suppose after uh, you know, last year where you know we all sort of disappeared under mushrooms um, for for all of the wrong reasons, as we know. It um, uh, you know it does take a little while to come out from underneath that mushroom. It's just you know th- this year has been very much uh, about just making sure we get through the harvest period without any hiccups or concerns. And and I guess you know once things settle down and we actually see that. Hopefully, the quality of the wines that have come out of this year, they're more celebrated accordingly. Because I know we've been fortunate over the over the years. We've um, we've won a few awards at um, you know whether it be local or, or national wine shows, and some of the prizes have been some nice wines. So we have, we do have a suite of nice wines that we can put together towards a, a, I'm sure a very nice celebratory dinner. Mm. Yeah, that it, uh, so hopefully you decide to do that open to the public. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't. I'd like to say we've we, we've won that many trophies and, and prizes, but uh, alas, I can't. Right. Um, so you, obviously you love it there, and um, it's a pretty special part of uh, the Yarra Valley. Um, oh no, Chris, no yeah. question. They they call it the dress circle, don't they? Uh, well, I guess there are quite a there are quite a few dress circles. If, if you think, I know when if you're talking about what James Halliday. Uh, refers to the dress circle. Um, he thinks of, uh, you know, the dress circle of Melbourne is very much Mornington, Yarra, um, Macedon, and Geelong and Bellarine. So you've got, uh, you know, a region that's all very close to Melbourne, so population of, of interested people, and you've got all these different expressions of, it might be the same variety or different nuances within mm. within those regions and that's where we're very spoilt. I mean, you can say the same throughout the rest of Victoria as well. I mean, or you could spread it out to Australia. We're very lucky that being such a, 
uh, a diverse uh, and large area that's, um, you know, something in Western Australia is quite different from here and vice versa and how you can have one side of the country saying, oh, what a sensational vintage, and the other side of the country can be saying, well, that was a challenging one and vice versa. So Mm -hmm. um, we are very fortunate just with choice selection and um, I guess from a winemaking side, the freedom to be able to to explore and, and make different things. Um, so over your 20 years, um, have you, have you noticed the change in, in temperature? I know we, when we talked to Mac Forbes, um, or when we spoke to him last, you know, he's, he is starting more and more to, to both plant, but also secure fruit in the upper Yarra, just, just for that, that cooler temperature and any sort of, he feels that that's the, you know, the way things will go. Have you noticed, um... A discernible change, um, you know, in from those years, um, you know, twenty years back, and and you know, are you loving what you're getting out of the upper Yarra? Uh, yeah, well, I, I guess I agree with a lot of what Mac has said. You know, interestingly, my or Greg and my first vintage together was the coldest vintage on on record, I think, in two thousand and two, um, and you know, we we had a combination of tiny yields and really cold temperatures. We didn't start um, harvest that year until about mid-March and went right through um, into, I think, early May. And whereas nowadays, of course, in what the average vintage might be, you might be starting a a month earlier than we used to. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're they're the two extremes. And so I think... You know, maybe the way forward is definitely Upper Yarra uh, for, you know, the likes of, of Pinot and Chardonnay, but not to say that, you know, in the, the warmer parts of the Yarra, you, you, it's, it's all about site selection. So mm-hmm. you know, that's where you might see more plantings on south-facing slopes and things like that. Or you might find that people, uh, producers actually like the style of wine that's being produced on those warmer sites. You know, they're more generous uh and, you know, gives you a blending opportunity uh, for, say, some of the cooler years and uh, where you might find that the cooler sites don't deliver quite the, the sort of structure and strength of flavour that you're looking for. You might also find that, um, you know, if we do see continued warming temperatures, that other varieties start to get planted in the warmer sites of, of the Yarra. But generally, I'd say, that, you know, I don't think it's... Um, anything controversial to say that vintages have generally started earlier we prepare ourselves earlier and I always think back to um, I've said this many times uh, to many colleagues uh, that in 2006 I think was when we all got a surprise that things just shunted forward very quickly and a lot of uh, winemakers didn't have barrels um, in their wineries They, they hadn't the, the new season shipment hadn't arrived and so it was mass panic and mm. I think that was sort of the wake-up call that um, things were changing. Mm. Yeah, changed the, changed the mark on the, on the calendar on the wall to, uh, to yeah, a few deadlines need to come in. Um, so uh, um, with your... Um, so, yeah, sorry, what I was going to say was Cabernet in the Yarra... Um, is something that people uh, more and more, uh, you know, talking up more and more. That does that, that you know, any warming does that sort of play into the hand of you know 
making some really great cabernets, or is it currently how you know the the conditions um, how they should be? I think the the Yarra's always made um, exceptional cabernet. Um, if you think it really founded itself upon um, the late reds, you know, cabernet, cabernet merlot blends, and so forth, um, and uh, you know the the. Once again, it comes down to that, that site selection. I mean, mm. the, the Yarra is always going to produce medium-bodied wines. And so Cabernet, Cabernet Merlot blends, if you like, are going to be in that sort of claret style. They're not big blockbusters, nor nor should they try to be either. It's um, it's just not, not what the region can deliver. I mean, we've got Cabernet on our estate vineyard that we'll be picking on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And so that's... Re- relatively late in the piece, as you'd expect, but the flavours are coming on nicely, um, and I know that what it will deliver, it will be um, a wine that has those lovely sort of cassis, uh, blackberry sort of notes, very much medium-bodied with those silky tannins and so forth, and, and more importantly, like a lot of Yarra wines, is that you can drink them relatively early on, but at the same time, you know, you can put them down for 10, 20 years if you want to, and you get some wonderful surprises at the end of that if you can be um, patient enough. <laughs> yeah, and that's the key, isn't it? Um, you need to buy ahead of your drinking <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, and be um, very diligent about um, staying away from, uh, from the ones that you want to have a look at in, in five or ten years. Um, so uh, last sort of question is there over the last week when you've had any of your wines has anything just jumped out and really surprised you and you've gone wow that is looking amazing um well in the last little while i know i know we've just released a um a 2015 block to block sparkling Mm -hmm. and we make we only make a couple of hundred dozen of these in exceptional chardonnay years and uh to go back a step at Christmas time, um, our first one that we made was a 2011, and I didn't want to share the bottle with anybody. It was just <laughs> fantastic. And you know, a lot of people think of 11 as being a tough year, but it was a fabulous year, a spectacular year for, for Chardonnay in particular in the Yarra. Mm-hmm. And so the, the 15 is our next release, and then we've got a, a 2017, which will be the next one after that. So we don't make it very often. And I think that's one of those special occasion wines that it comes from... Uh, deer farm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a small little section of the deer farm vineyard that has extra time on leaves in the bottle, um, so it has all those lovely sort of secondary biscuity notes comes through. But it's just the power of the wine, where you've got this wonderful acidity, um, length of flavour, and you know a great occasion wine. So, you know, perhaps that's not the, the wine that you, you necessarily uh, choose going into to the colder winter months, but it's just something that's that's just come up on the radar now. I mean, I mm. could talk about all our wines, but I'm not going to. Yeah, um, that's uh, yeah. Well, that, and that was exactly the the uh, intention of the question. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I love the Blanc de Blancs, and it's my favourite style. I think of sparkling. Um, it's Blanc de Blanc. They, they sort of never disappoint. Oh, definitely. Well, I think you know something about Chardonnay. You look at Chardonnay that's well made, whether it be uh, for table wine or for sparkling, I mean, it, all it does when it ages, it gets those lovely sort of developed toasty characters. And I know we've been fortunate to see a couple of Blanc de Blanc uh, champagnes that 
admittedly they were just past their time, but you could still see the structure of the Chardonnay that after, you know, 20 years, and that might have been more than likely it was just the fault of the, of the cork and the wine mm. going flat. But you could still see underneath it that, um, you know, it had this, uh, you know, lovely complexity layers of flavour. And, you know, the flip side, of course, is when you see, I don't know, a sparkling Shiraz, a well-made sparkling Shiraz in Australia, when the wine goes flat, you've still got a, a wonderful wine underneath. And, you know, whether the wine be 20, 30, 40 years old, uh, you know, it's, it's more about what's in there at the beginning mm. that will give you that longevity uh, if you're patient enough. Yeah. Well, uh, yes, well, l- looking forward to, to having um, having a look through the, the new releases and uh, and good luck with the, the rest of your vintage. And, you know, obviously it's it's a busy time, but you've, as you say, you've, you're over the hump. So you've sort of, the, and it's been a good pace this year, not, not compressed like it has uh, in some recent vintages. And some hopefully some pretty good things from what we've seen bubbling away in the winery. So I'm, I'm potentially quite excited. I won't sort of <laughs> jump out of the, like a jump in a bo- uh, jack in a box, but it's, uh, there's some good things, and I, I hope it's the same for all other winemakers in the region as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Andrew, thank you. It's always great to chat, mate. And um, uh, let us know when you um, when you've got some plans for celebrating your twentieth, and um, we'll get the word out for you. But uh, importantly, try and get a ticket ourselves. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks, Simon. Thanks <laughs> right for on, the mate. call. Good one. See you later. Get a good afternoon. See ya. you. Bye. Bye. Uh, Andrew Fleming.